Episode 27, Kara Saletto, Crescendo Strategies. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. We're ready on the set of Gut Plus Science to talk about a problem that is bigger today than ever in the last decade, turnover. And this is not just a millennial problem. This is a challenge among all generations and all industries, and not just a rampant problem with entry-level and frontline workers. It's also a growing problem for top-line leaders and high potentials. It's everywhere. Take a listen to some of these 2018 stats on turnover. In the U.S., voluntary turnover is over $536 billion per year. There seems to be no agreed-upon standard for calculating turnover, but ranges start from 18% and go up to 33% of an annual salary. So the average U.S. worker makes $45,000 a year. That's $8,000 to $15,000 of cost to an employer for that one person. And turnover experts project that 75% of voluntary turnover is preventable. Wow, that's kind of mind-blowing. So we're about to dive into conversation with turnover expert Kara Saletto, a keynote speaker and author on this very topic. Her recent book, Staying Power, Why Your Employees Leave and How to Keep Them Longer, helps leaders embrace the different generations in the workplace and learn methods that allow them to be more effective managers to all team members, no matter what age or skill level. Uh, Let's hear from our Gut Plus Science sponsor first, and then we'll jump right into conversation with Kara. I'm excited. Custom Concrete has been creating foundations for the finest homes, commercial buildings, and industrial facilities throughout central Indiana since 1969. Builders, contractors, and homeowners rely on our expertise because so much depends on getting it right. Our knowledge and control of all aspects of the job, from excavation to waterproofing to backfill, means that extra value is built into every project. Codes don't drive our business. Excellence does. See the difference at customconcrete.com. All right, Kara, welcome to Gut Plus Science. So you know this show is a tool to equip leaders with new ideas to build the culture they envision and drive employee engagement levels of all employees, ultimately building workplaces that people enjoy. Turnover is a pain that just about all of us are struggling with, so you are truly a gift to have on the show, and all of our listeners are thankful for this time today. Kara, welcome. We're going to dive right in because these shows go so fast, and we've got a lot to cover. I'm going to start with a very loaded question, actually. Why is turnover a growing problem, like the highest we've seen in years today? Thanks for having me on the show. And let's talk about turnover. Uh, What we've seen is that since the recession several years ago, we have transitioned into an employee's market as more and more companies today are hiring both for growth and for backfill of the people that have left. And we have this perfect storm of not only an employee's market uh, in the labor market with, of course, unemployment being so low, but also we have so many young professionals today and young workers who they realize that they have these choices. They talk to each other about how much money they make and how hard their job is or how much they like or dislike their bosses. And so this high level of transparency across our workforce, in addition to the market, uh, has created this world where people really can just go wherever they want. And one of the things we've noticed in particular is the lower the wages 
for an employee, the faster they can find a replacement job. So that really has changed the game, particularly for those lower wage frontline workers. But we're seeing turnover uh, in all levels, all the way up to subject matter experts and and key, very critical talent uh, that people are losing because of being poached by LinkedIn or these pay increases that certain competitors are able to offer. There's kind of this whole slew of reasons why we're in this situation with a growing turnover problem today. Thank you so much for all of that context. And we're definitely going to come back and hit on the lower the wages, the faster they find a job, because this is like a theme that we hear every day, a big struggle for a lot of leaders. So we're definitely going to come back to that. And thank you for that context. So we've heard that statistics on turnover costs are anywhere from 18 to 33% of an annual salary. That's just one facet of cost, uh, the hard cost, right? What is the true impact of turnover and how about like overlooked costs? We have this conversation with executives a lot about what is the true cost of turnover. So many people, unfortunately, they only are looking at the line items for things like recruiting costs of job postings and job fairs and things like that. And then they'll look at the line items for training or onboarding, which again, those are those hard costs that are pretty easy to quantify. But what we find, and I've worked with national researchers to validate these numbers, And what we find is there's so much intangible um, cost that goes along with replacing someone, as well as just some of the hidden costs that you're paying for, you're just not separating them out on your P&L. So for every person that gets hired, they have to be put in the HR system, put in the payroll system, put in the benefit systems, you know, those types of things that your HR team is probably working on. There's a huge loss of productivity. We all know about learning curves and that it takes somebody time to get up and running. Even if they've done a similar job somewhere else, they don't know your systems. They don't know your people. um, They don't know the exact job that they're doing. So you're going to have a loss of productivity as they go through that learning curve to get fully up to speed. And one of the biggest things that's costing companies tons of money is overtime premiums. So if you have people people that are hourly on your staff, um, most companies that I talk to, they're running on overtime now. So they're paying, let's say, $15 an hour for what should be a $10 an hour job. And that $5 premium is unnecessary cost if they were able to get the staffing stability that they really need. So when we look at it, we can easily calculate five to $10,000 in loss for just a, a frontline person. And then if we're looking at more of an office or management type role, we can easily calculate fifteen to 25000 sometimes more. And certainly for subject matter experts, if somebody's a regulatory guru or a technical advisor, something like that. I mean, we've had clients that we calculate over $100,000 loss for one person that walks out the door that has to be replaced at that previous level of, of expertise or productivity. So it's crazy. And there's a lot of extra costs going in that, that sometimes people aren't calculating. I'm just blown away by a lot of the research that I was doing to prep for this show so I could try to talk at your level a little bit and have some good questions. One of the things that I found was 75% of people leave due to voluntary turnover. I just, I was blown away. I wondered, do you agree with that? 75% of voluntary turnover is preventable. And what should we be doing differently to get around that? 
I totally agree that that's what's happening. What I'm seeing, unfortunately, is that too many companies are still using old models for their employer-employee relationship. And too many managers still think that I should say, you know, I should be able to say because I said so or because I'm your boss. And that should be enough of the of the conversation. And of course, we have a totally different workforce today. So a lot of what we do is educating managers and training leaders today on who today's new workforce is. It's not just millennials, you know, and it's not just about the stereotypes of what we hear about millennials. It's just that our workforce today, people of all ages, they have different expectations and they want more of the work-life balance, for example. And people before the recession, they were willing to put up with schedules that didn't really work for their family. They were willing to work late or come in on the weekends or just work from home all the time in the evenings and and during their what should have been family time. And we're seeing this new workforce push back and say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to work 50, 60 hours on salary. I'm not going to sacrifice watching my kids grow up, you know, missing that time with them. And I'd rather just go find a new new job. So I definitely think what we could be doing differently is diagnosing exactly why people stay and leave because so many assumptions are made about why staff are happy or not happy, why they're engaged or not engaged, and why they stay or why they go. So I think diagnosing is is the first way. In fact, I'm working with a great partner now who has a tool that shows you a heat map. It's so amazing that you can actually pinpoint where people are happy or not, or where they're engaged or not. And so I really love that our clients are starting to use real data instead of just hunches. And they can also slice and dice that data based on the different generations or males versus females or how long somebody's been at a company. You know, a lot of people who've only been there a year or two years even, they have totally different expectations and needs than somebody who's been with your company five, 10 or more years. And I think it's really critical that we get the information based on different types of people and different perspectives rather than just blanketing our initiatives of, oh, everybody wants more feedback. So let's just do a new feedback program across the company. When, yeah, some people really need that feedback, especially millennials, but then there are a lot of people at the company that are like, oh, more meetings, more feedback. I don't need that. (laughs) So there's a lot of stuff we need to be doing differently. But I guess overall, I would say just because something worked for you in the 90s or 2000s, anything before the recession, we have to reevaluate that and see if that leadership model or communication approach is going to still work with this new workforce today. Good stuff. And I'm guessing that diagnosing is going to be part of this next answer to the question that I'd like to ask, but I'll let you elaborate on it. So I hear from leaders all the time that they're so overwhelmed today by the HR function of the business and are just clueless on where to start. It's like, I have a list of like 50 things I need to solve and turnover is my greatest pain. How do you recommend prioritizing strategy for retention and overcoming turnover? I'll tell you right now, I have met very few HR departments that are staffed to the level they should be. 
So let me just say that, <laughs> that really, I think businesses should take the HR function much more seriously. And not only is HR inundated with more recruiting, more hiring and firing, uh, more onboarding, and just more of that one part of their job, but they're also fighting with FMLA abuse and uh, people wearing leggings and you know all kinds of other issues that we just didn't have as much of 10 years ago. And so so I do want leaders to immediately think about how staffed is my HR team and can I really lean on them to run retention initiatives and to diagnose what's going on when they're just full of these other things in day-to-day needs. So, um, so first of all, make sure you've got enough folks in your HR team and that the executives are listening to the HR team. Does HR have a seat at the table? Because that's really important as far as prioritizing uh, your retention strategies. Now, as I mentioned earlier, diagnosing and getting the tools and the data, the real data of what's going on is absolutely the place to start. So that's where you need to go first is, are you using the right survey tools and getting real data, not just exit surveys where people say, oh, I leave because of pay or it was a better opportunity. I'll tell you right now, that stuff's not true. So <laughs> um, so you gotta prioritize based on real data and, and better information. Then where I'll tell you most of my clients start, okay, so we've got lots of retention strategies of improving your onboarding and building trust and, and different things. But the number one place that folks start when they want to reduce turnover is better training for managers and supervisors. The number one reason that people leave is because of a poor relationship or poor communication with their direct supervisor or manager. And so you can absolutely get an unbelievable ROI when you bring in management training, bring in supervisor training, the 101 level, but also even for people who've been in management 5, 10, 20 years, we have a new workforce today. Do they understand the mindset of the new workforce? Do they understand the expectations and demands that these new hires have coming in? Because as I mentioned, that employer-employee relationship has shifted. So you really need to have training, both basic fundamental leadership training for new supervisors and managers, but also taking that to the next level of teaching your managers about the new workforce and these retention strategies in particular. Good stuff. And I can't tell you how many times we've seen organizations where the supervisors or managers were in the company for many years, did a great job, and then got elevated into their position, but have never had formal training on you know, the human component of relating with people and developing relationships and things like that. And so I can't reiterate enough how much what you just said is so true, making sure that we're pouring into the development of our managers and supervisors. So I have a very popular scenario around pain with turnover that comes up, I would say three times a week minimum. And that is around uh, frontline, low income, entry level workers. These leaders are saying they leave for like 50 cents or a dollar with no notice. So, and, and a lot of companies, that is the majority of their workforce. They're like, this is three fourths of who works here. And we're experiencing 150% plus turnover in this population. So what are the best practice for, practices for retention specifically with these entry-level frontline low-income earners? 
Yeah, we deal with this all the time, Nikki. And so I'm glad you brought it up because too many managers, and even when we survey the managers, they will say people are leaving because of pay or schedules, that that's it. They just think, well, that's it. And look, we can't pay more and we can't make a schedule perfect for everybody. So it's these workers that are the problem. And what I'll tell you is, Again and again and again, when we survey the employees, it's not the pay, it's not the schedule, as much as it is their reality is not understood by their managers. And what I mean by that is think about your entry level, frontline, lower wage workers. Do they live in your neighborhood? Probably not. Do they drive the kind of car you have? Probably not. Do they even have a reliable vehicle or transportation? Probably not. Do they have reliable backup childcare if their daycare or their sister who watches their kids is sick, you know, um, if something happens like that? So one of the things to realize is that we do have quite a gap between the reality of those lower wage workers versus the management and business owners and leaders. And it's sometimes hard for them to understand the the real world for their frontline workers. So the biggest piece of advice I can give you is to really get to know your people and understand how they make it through every single day. What is their reality? For example, a lot of benefits don't matter so much to one population versus another. So we know this both with generations, you know, that some benefits, the 50 and 60 year olds prefer these benefits and the 20 and 30 year olds prefer something totally different. And it is the same for the scheduling, things like that, and all different types of demands and needs that they have. We have to understand that if it's a single mom who you're trying to get them to work 12 hour shifts that are seven to seven, but daycares are open six to six, that doesn't work. (laughs) It's not going to work for that person. So have you really talked to your frontline about what's important to them and what is difficult for them that could be a perk or a benefit that you could offer? Actually, one of my clients, they are a healthcare group, actually a long-term care provider that has a lot of these frontline low-wage workers. They actually partnered with an oil change place just down the street from their facility, and they got half-price oil changes, but the company is paying for those half price oil changes every three months for their staff. So now the staff get free oil changes, which if you're a low income earner, you probably could care less about about oil changes at all. And you're just not doing that because you don't have the extra 40 bucks every quarter to do it. But the employer benefited from having that partnership because their attendance, uh, the attendance problems that were based on car problems that started going down because people had better maintenance of their cars and all their fluids were checked and and just little things like that. So it was a win-win-win for the oil change place, the long-term care facility, and the employees. And if the managers hadn't gotten creative and really thought about what do my staff need or what's a problem for them or what is a cost that is difficult for them to pay, they never would have come up with that kind of unique perk. Such a great story. And wow, kudos to this company who's doing things like that. Really awesome. So Kara, um, you just recently uh, released a new book, Staying Power, and you talk about flight risk and how to identify it. Can you help us understand the concept, first of all, make sure we're all in alignment with what flight risk is and then best practices to identifying flight risk? 
Sure. So flight risk is about who is the most likely to leave an organization. And the way that we describe it is the trees versus the revolving door. So trees are those staff in your organization who have been there a long time. They are deep rooted and they're probably not going anywhere. They are comfortable in their role. Maybe they love the job or maybe it's more of a of a convenience thing or maybe they're even sitting on a nice cushion of paid time off, which sometimes we call those golden handcuffs <laughs> that might keep somebody at an organization, even if they're not super happy or super engaged, uh, they might still be a tree who's probably not going to go anywhere voluntarily. Then the other side of our workforce, the other bucket that we that we put our staff into when we're evaluating this is more of that revolving door position. And that can be people with some organizations, a revolving door might be people that only stay two or three years, where some of my clients, a revolving door is 30 days. So it's relative based on what you would categorize as the trees versus the revolving doors in your company. And what we've realized is that every year, more and more trees are retiring and more and more of those positions are shifting over to become revolving door. And we expect that to continue over the next few years as we project out the workforce issues and projections, we see a lot more positions becoming shorter term, not necessarily short term, but much shorter term than what they used to be. And the stats that we see, uh, it actually shows that it's not a millennial issue about job hopping. What we see is that anyone who starts at a new company, they don't have the deep roots in that organization. They don't have much that's keeping them there. So we have figured out that all new hires are a flight risk. Every single new hire, whether they are 25 or 55, they are a flight risk because they don't have the golden handcuffs and they don't have deep roots. If you think about it this way, they were willing to leave their last company to come to you so they would be willing to leave you to go on to the next shiny opportunity. So a lot of our training uh, focuses on the new hires and how do we make a better new hire experience and how do we stay in tune with what those new hires need and want from our organization. So I would recommend that you take a really good look at how are you treating your new hires? What do What is the experience of a newer employee during their first 90 days, first year? year, first two years, because if you're treating the new hires as the low man on the totem pole, giving them the grunt work or the crummy shifts or, you know, kind of giving them the old outdated equipment to work on and things like that, you're actually making it harder for yourself to retain those folks because they're going to have a, a worse experience and say, I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to go somewhere else that is going to give me a schedule I want or has better equipment that's not so outdated. So take a good look at, at your new hire experience and how they're being treated and what that looks like for their first year or two on the on the job. Really good stuff. And Kara, finally, you and your team at Crescendo Strategies work with a variety of industries, many different leadership styles. What are the top two or three most effective solutions to changing turnover trends, if you had to boil that down? So building a stronger employer-employee relationship, which is done by better management and supervisor training that we talked about, um, I definitely think that 
We have to address the appreciation issue because so many people label, especially the millennials, as the trophy generation and say, it's ridiculous. You know, they show up all five days and they expect a pat on the back (laughs) because they showed up. But the reality is two things. One, the millennials did not give themselves trophies, which, by the way, I am a millennial. I did not give myself any trophies or participation ribbons growing up. That was a parenting experiment gone terribly wrong <laughs> that, that kind of backfired on our employers today. And so, first of all, don't judge the millennials. Don't blame them for the expectation of wanting more feedback and wanting appreciation for showing up or playing the game. So that's first thing. And then the second thing is we do have a lot of workers who don't show up. We have a lot of people that don't show up on time. We have a lot of people that show up, but don't do their job. So I will tell you that there are just some crappy employees out there. Okay. So don't lump all the millennials into that group. Um, You can kind of separate out the people that really don't care or don't want to work. And what that means is today, if you have people who show up, who show up on time, who do a good job while they're there, all they want is a thank you. They just want some appreciation and somebody to notice that I actually tried and I was here and I did my job well. I took great care of those patients or I took great care of that client. And so I ask all managers and leaders to just turn up their appreciation dial and show more gratitude to the people who are meeting your expectations. So much of our focus now is oftentimes turned to the people who don't meet expectations, and that frustrates those who are actually performing at a, at a good level. It do, it's not about going above and beyond anymore. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes right now, like, this is ridiculous, Kara. I should not have to thank people for showing up. That is why they get a paycheck. <laughs> but... If you want to reduce turnover, I have seen it time and time again that once those staff feel appreciated for doing their job, and it's about doing a job well done, right? Not just going above and beyond or the extra mile. As soon as they feel appreciated for doing their job, they're much more likely and willing to come back the next day and also do a good job and become one of those dependable staff uh, that we really want to see day in and day out. Good stuff. Going back to the basics, really, in a lot of areas. So, Kara, this information has been incredibly helpful. Thank you so much for being a a turnover mentor to us today. We're going to take a quick break, hear from a fabulous Gut Plus Science sponsor, and we'll come right back to learn a few things about you in our lightning round. Are you still using Pulse surveys? How about annual questionnaires? If your organization relies on either of these, it's time to discover Amplify. Amplify has created a new way to measure employee engagement. It's where CEOs who want to know what's really happening within a workforce go to get honest feedback and to understand what needs to change for people to love their work. Companies that have used Amplify have increased productivity by as much as 30% in just three months. Best of all, it's not just data that Amplify provides. Executives get hands-on coaching with engagement specialists, people who know exactly what to do with the data. To see their latest research on employee engagement, visit Amplify.com. All right. So welcome back on Gut Plus Science. We've got our lightning round, which is our opportunity to learn a little bit more about our guest today, Kara Saletto, um, and just a little bit of the personal side of Kara. So Kara, just in you know a couple couple words answer here. What hobby do you most enjoy outside of work? 
I've been a singer uh, since I was a kid, actually a professional singer most of my life. And right now I'm totally addicted to the Broadway show Hamilton. What is your favorite vacation spot? I have to say that now that I'm a mom of a toddler, it's got to be Disney. We just took our kiddo for his fourth birthday, and we will definitely be going back on a regular basis because to see his face light up was just, ugh, just amazing. Magical, really. That's awesome. It is. What is your favorite book or one that you'd recommend today? You know, it's an oldie but a goodie. I still love and recommend Seven Habits. I just think that it is so critical for managers and leaders to get that foundational knowledge. Talk about going back to the basics. If you haven't read Seven Habits of Highly Effective Managers or of Highly Effective People, either one, that I would definitely add that to your list. Totally agree on that. And so Kara, I bet a number of people want to reach out and follow up with you about so many different things that you shared today. How can our listeners reach you? What's the best way? Sure. So I'd love to connect on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Kara Saletto. I'm the only one out there, if you can spell it, S-I-L-L-E-T-T-O. And also Kara, C-A-R-A, at CrescendoStrategies.com. Of course, our website has all kinds of information about our book and our programs and the whole team. So if you want to book us uh, for an event or do a training or any other resources we have, you can just visit CrescendoStrategies.com and get more information. Kara, thank you for such an impactful show. So many of us are struggling with turnover, as we've talked about all throughout this episode. And your key takeaways, there's so many. So I'm going to summarize the nine that I took down into four and try to get everything in. So for those of you that are listening, I highly encourage you to take at least one of these things back and start a conversation with one of your team members or share with a friend or colleague. So truth you can act on. Number one, diagnose why people stay and why they leave. It's so important to have data that helps you truly understand the reality in your organization and stop relying on guesswork. So there's so many different tools out there that are available. Kara talked about using heat maps in her business. There's many different available out there to you to help you gain that data and understanding. Number two, beef up your HR team and stop running so lean, making sure that HR has a, has a seat at the executive table. We need to think, you know, if people challenges in our organization, like turnover are a super high priority and most executives say it's in the top one or two things that they're working on this year, we need to treat the workforce that is managing this with super high priority as well. Number three, getting to know our people is so important. So understanding the reality of the team members that we're leading and managing, one of the greatest training topics for our leaders is helping them understand how to connect, truly connect with their direct reports and build relationships and learn how to listen to really understand what they need. And Kara talked about bringing programs and solutions to life based on the needs of our individual workforce. So important to get to know our people. And finally, high risk is very big or very prevalent in new hires. So it's really important to make sure that the onboarding that we're doing is constantly being innovated on and being very clear in our expectations from the time that people start and helping them to have a mentor or a buddy through the process and really helping them to have tours of our organization and really understand everything, just over communicating how the organization works, who is who and how 
to communicate all of the different levels in the organization. Very important. So with that, this is another awesome episode of Gut Plus Science, helping us to fight the challenges in turnover in the world today. So thank you again, Kara. We'll see you next time on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.